it's scary. But I think what the mistake is, is thinking that we don't have to make changes to the culture, to the way of doing things. We do have to start asking ourselves, why are they leaving? Not just saying, oh gosh, they left those Gen Zs, you know? No, it's, we have to wake up and allow like, like the Googles and the Microsofts, you know, the four day work weeks. And we have to start shifting our perspective, listening to our teams, bringing them in on important meetings, new changes in the organization. That's Jesse Bolton, founder and CEO of Bolt Resources, a cybersecurity staffing and consulting firm that places roles ranging from individual contributor all the way up to the CISO. Jesse is talking here about how cybersecurity employers need to pivot in the face of the great resignation. Now, Jesse is not your average recruiter, When she decided that her firm would focus on cybersecurity, she joined ISSA, where she is now a member of the board of the North Texas chapter. She's also a member of ISC Squared's DFW chapter. And if that's not enough, she has even attended the CISSP classes. So I asked her to come on down and share some of her insights about the great resignation in cybersecurity. And I'm so grateful she could make the time. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. All right, let's get briefly started here with a bit about your background in cybersecurity and a bit about your day job. Yes. So I started uh, my cybersecurity career. I wouldn't say I'm totally in it. I help people get into cyber. And um, I've always had a an alter ego, a secret one. I don't really tell everybody. I've always dreamed of being on, you know, being the FBI agent, the CIA and, and catching the bad guys. And I figured this is the closest I can get to it. So about three years ago, I started an IT consulting staffing agency and Since the pandemic, I thought it would be a better idea if I shifted focus to cybersecurity alone and help the guys that want to get into it and gals get into cyber and started a CISO practice as well. And and that has since ventured off to virtual CISOs and all things cybersecurity. So in order to do that and talk the lingo and and know what the heck I'm doing, I, I had to immerse myself in cyber. So I showed up to all the conferences and webinars and I'm reading every day and it's just been a lot of fun. I have to say that's impressive to me. I've worked with a lot of recruiters that don't put in that much effort to learn the subject matter of the folks with whom they're working, right? Getting to the point where you're actually on the board of ISSA. That's tremendous to me. That's that's outstanding commitment to the folks you are serving in the community. I just want to say I'm very impressed with all that. Thank you. I can't believe how things have developed. It's It's humbling and also exciting at the same time. And it also makes you a really good person to talk to about our subject for this show, which is the great resignation and how it is impacting cybersecurity. Now, this is something like everybody in the news is hearing about the great resignation and everyone's talking about, you know, fast food workers quitting their jobs and all this. But I thought it's probably more than that. It's more nuanced than that. And obviously there's an impact to cyber. So why don't we start with just what is the great resignation and why is it great? (laughs) How big is this phenomenon? Well, it's not so great, right? It's uh, great in that it's 
pretty massive, the number of people that are quitting. Last time I checked the U.S. Labor Department, it was about 4.5 million people quit in November. And that number has fluctuated, you know, more or less since. And it's quite, it's still enough to pay attention to. And how is it affecting cyber? I won't touch on that quite yet. I just want to really pay attention to why are they quitting and it's interesting, the ages, you know, it's the Gen Z, millennials, I, I believe it was Harvard Business Review. I found that employees between the ages of 30 and 45, mid-level positions, highest, uh, the highest increase in those resignation rates were pretty massive in the 70s, from what I recall, were millennials. Interesting. So, all right. So how much of the workforce is Gen Z these days? Like everyone talks about millennials and Gen Zs. And I think a lot of people conflate the two terms. And frankly, I've seen a lot of people in my generation just basically use either of those two terms to just mean young people, you know, (laughs) like how, how much is actually Gen Z nowadays? Yeah, well, I'm going to speak to cybersecurity alone, and that is 47 to be exact. And that was the last I checked, end of year 2021 workforce study by ISC Square. Yeah, that was for several thousand members of, of that, or I guess participants in that study was 47% Gen Z. That is a lot of people yeah, that age, this new up and coming generation in the workforce is, yeah. uh, is not just up and coming anymore. It sounds like they're taking over. Uh, yeah, understandably so. They're coming in with a different set of attitudes and a different set of beliefs about what maybe things like work-life balance, and I'm sure COVID's a factor, and we'll, we'll get into some of these details. But fundamentally, what are these guys citing, the folks that are resigning? We've got a huge amount. You said 4.3 million just in November alone, which is mind-blowing to me. I thought the millions was over the year, not over the month. Mm-hmm. And now we're saying 47% of the folks that are involved just in cyber even specifically are Gen Z. So what are some of the contributing factors? Why are folks resigning? So they're... Many, many, many factors. So the pandemic allowed a lot of us to, or the majority of us to reflect, we're working from home now. We're realizing that we can manage it all. We can even start that business we've been, you know, thinking about starting that side hustle. We're realizing we can save money on commute, uh, gas, daycare, and so forth. It's it's almost like an enlightenment. And we're looking inward. What do we really want to do? Purposeful work, right? That That's a, a lot to do with it. And it's not only things I'm reading, it's I'm actually talking to people, cybersecurity, those who want to get into cybersecurity. And across the board, it's People want to be a part of something that they want to do. And I guess a different reason besides that would be employers, their leaders, their managers, executives, they're kind of glazing over and they're not bringing recognition to what's going on. And these people aren't feeling appreciated. They're not being valued in the workplace. And now it's a, it's a time to kind of bring, uh, they're, they're quitting kind of without much respect for the organization. They're quitting. That's crazy to me how much real internalization of that change. Like you you wouldn't think, you know, okay, so we're all working from home now. You wouldn't think it would have such profound and powerful impact. But I personally, even my own experience, like I, I definitely feel like my attitude towards work, if I sign up with somebody that says you have to be in the office five days a week, my answer is going to be no. Right. I'm never going back to that. I'm never going back to that, yeah. right? And and that's that's just one little tiny part of the whole puzzle. 
Yeah. And, and I didn't even bring up the other issues. They're quitting, but also it's not just that. It's a bigger picture. It's the stress. You're working from home, but then it's you're managing new new issues. You may want to start that other job. You may be taking care of kids, but it's how do I manage my time, my stress, mm-hmm. the mental health, the weight that the pandemic has had on on everyone. And even employers or, or managers are also struggling with this too. It's not being talked enough about communication, the culture, people kind of feel uneasy, lack of job security and, and growth within the company. Maybe there's not that upward mobility, burnout, you know, there's yeah. all kinds of fun reasons or not so fun reasons. Right, right. So let's get into cybersecurity in particular then, you know, versus the rest of the workforce, how happy are cybersecurity professionals? Because I've got my own idea about this, but I'm sure you've actually seen a little more facts-based uh, assessment of that than my uh, anecdotal evidence. Yeah. Well, just based on the majority of people I've talked to, and again, you know, reading reports and things, it's about, and this is not just Gen Z or millennials or Gen X or what have you, 79%, yes, is Gen Z and our millennials that are actually happy. They're they're finding fulfillment in their work and they're feeling like they're contributing to the overall solution and getting the bad guys, right? But it does fluctuate. They're happy at all just so CISOs is another story. <laughs> but in the 70s, it, it kind of ranges. Interesting. Okay. So 70s percentile. Yeah. So, okay. How about unique challenges that cybersecurity professionals are facing? When we talk about the great resignation, again, I think a lot of people, you know, everyone's go-to is the fast food, just because I think people are tired of having to go through the drive-through and so many restaurants, (laughs) the dining room's not even open. So you hear a great resignation. I think everyone's brain jumps to fast food, but there's unique challenges that cybersecurity professionals face that others don't. And they're part of this resignation for certain. What are those unique cybersecurity challenges? Well, number one, what comes to mind is the just overwhelming pressure that they have, even your entry level to your senior level there. It's just, you're wearing so many hats and there's so much pressure from upper management and the organization as a whole to figure it out. Despite your, you don't have the training, the support, the mentorship. Mm -hmm. If you're working from home, which the majority are, you're secluded and it's just so much on their mental state. And then the recruiting and interview process, looking for the job descriptions. Gosh, darn. It's just, that's a different story. I don't know if we want to go there, but I think it's the pressure they're facing and the lack of support. And you're not always being recognized for your behind the scenes, protecting infrastructure and data and kind of saving saving the organization from, from a breach. So there's a lot that goes into that. And there, the cybersecurity teams aren't staffed. You're just doing a whole lot as one person or just a few of you. And the JD thing, yes, we should touch on a little bit because we've had a lot of conversations on this show about that. And from your perspective as the recruiter, I'd love to. So I'm going to place that one to the side for just a moment. Yeah, it does start. It starts with lousy job descriptions and a lousy job hunting process. It starts with getting into, to your point, an understaffed uh, existence. I think Teams I've worked with can definitely relate to that where there's just not enough bodies on the pile and so therefore everyone's doing too much work. The pressure is high. Totally get that. That invisible guardian thing is real. Oh my goodness, is that one real? Yeah. There was a joke, you know, a lot of us in security came up through the IT ranks and back in the day, the the IT, the running joke for the CIO was, when's the last time you, you sent your CIO an email and said, thank you for the fact that the servers were up today, right? Like, <laughs> 
you know, yeah. you never do that, right? You just, you, you assume it's up, you treat it like it's up all the time. And then only when it's down, do you suddenly email the CIO and complain, right? right? And right. I think security is the same phenomenon, right? We've, we've talked about this on this show before too, that when's the last time somebody thanked you and said, hey, thanks for securing the company. Hey, thanks for the fact that my data didn't get out the door today, whatever it might be. And I think it's that same phenomenon all over again for us security workers. So I'm in full agreement with that assessment. I mean, just anecdotally, as somebody who's been in the industry all these years, like I, I, I full agreement with everything you just outlined. And back to this job description thing, I've got my own hot take on the JDs these days, but I would love to hear yours. Like, I'm a new cybersecurity person or I'm trying to break into the field and here's these job descriptions in front of me. What's Mm. the break in your mind? What do you see as broken there? It's a laundry list of wishes and hopes and it's very unrealistic. And we can start by, you know, number of years experience to uh, you want an entry-level person, but they've got to have three years experience. We can also touch on all that they need to do, an analyst or an engineer, but let's get real. It needs to be shortened. It needs to be to the point, and they're not. And then a bachelor's degree, do you really need a bachelor's degree? Whoever's making these job descriptions, sometimes they don't really know what they want, I think. Yeah, And that, that is very confusing to the uh, applicant and they should really focus on, okay, bare minimum, what do we need here? That's, oh, that's great. I'm so glad to hear somebody on the recruiter side of the fence seeing that <laughs> and, and speaking to that because yes, I get this every day. Folks that are trying to break yeah. into the field that have no idea how to get started, read these job descriptions and feel completely and utterly helpless and hopeless. It, it's a mess. It's a train wreck. And I think you're right. Wish list yeah. is a great way to put it. I think a lot of people just oh, it'd be cool if they could do blah, 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 blah. And it's like throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. But then to the person on the other end of that spaghetti, you know, it's like, right. I'm just, I'm trying to do this one thing over here. I'm interested in this one thing. I've got a little bit of skill and I'd love to go further. And how do I even reconcile that mess of spaghetti on the wall? I totally get it. Right. I'm working on that, talking to the decision makers and it's a shift in perspective that has to take place. And, and I think overall, they have to learn to listen and make adjustments on a higher level. It's a good fundamental piece of advice for everybody in this field, right? Let's pause right there and hear a brief word from our sponsor. Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized cyber asset attack surface management chasm as a category in their hype cycle for network security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Axonius and give your teams time back to work on the high-value cyber initiatives they were trained to do. So let's switch gears here. What are some of the unique challenges, you know, with regards to work-life balance, right? Like, like how do we foster work-life balance and what does, what does that really mean? Because I'll tell you right now, now that I work from home personally, and this is, you know, back to anecdotal, I have less work-life balance than I used to. I, it was better when I was going into the office because there was kind of this finite beginning and end to the day. And it's like, oh, I'm getting in my car now and the work day is over and I am driving home and it is family time and da, da, da. And now I find myself, if I'm up at 4 a.m., I'm working at 4 a.m. If I'm up at 3 a.m., I'm working at 3 a.m. If I get a text message at 7 p.m., I'm working at 7 p.m. And I I struggle personally to put those boundaries in place and to have healthy boundaries between work and life. And I'm curious, what is that like from your perspective? What what guidance do you have as a recruiter, as somebody who's helping folks find jobs? Like what's what's the latest there? 
Well, I struggle with it too. And um, whether you're in cybersecurity or any other industry, it does start, you said boundaries and it, it's, what the heck are those, you know, before you knew the separation, like you said, you're leaving work, you're going home to spend time with family. But now I think it's a joint effort and it's something that we need to do individually, but also uh, employers need to recognize and learn to respect that their employees, their staff, and not to say that they don't, but when you're emailing them in the middle of the night or past working hours and expect them to answer And here they are trying to shut it off and and spend time with the family, put those boundaries and, and I guess, rules, new rules in place and encourage as employers should encourage time off, recognize that we're all facing these, these big workloads. So yeah, it's a combination. We have to learn individually to turn it off and have some downtime, rest, and not feel like you have to do it all. And employers or or managers take advantage of the time that during the day and communicate effectively, lay out those expectations at the beginning. And also one-on-one check-ins, you know, establish those, the new job duties or responsibilities mm-hmm. from working from home. You, you mentioned the employer perspective when you gave that answer. And that that makes me think of, you know, the great resignation from the employer perspective. Organizations obviously have a role, right? Mm-hmm. And and we're going to get into that in a moment here. I think of what can the organizations be doing to, to, to not be suffering from great resignation? But let's go through, like, what are they suffering as a result of all this? If I've got 47% of my workers are Gen Z, and even barring the Gen Z thing, if I've just got folks that are that are getting frustrated and there's work-life balance and it, it could go all the way up to the CISO level, what's happening to the organizations for whom all these people are, you know, basically rats fleeing the ship sort of phenomenon? Like, What's the impact to organizations and how are they dealing with this? What's the, you know, do we have any information on that side of the fence? Chaos, right? And uh, we're already stressed as it is. These new way of doing things, the whole new normal is not so normal. And, and pretending that it will ever be normal again is a facade. It's we, we have to recognize things have in a short amount of time. It's what, gosh, been almost two and a half years. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's all blended now. in together. Employers, that the effect, it's, it's scary. But I think what the mistake is, is thinking that we don't have to make changes to the culture, to the way of doing things. We do have to start asking ourselves, what, why are they leaving? Not just saying, oh, gosh, they left those Gen Zs, you know? Right, right, no, right. No, it's, it's. We have to wake up and allow, like like the Googles and the Microsofts, you know, the four-day work weeks. And we have to start shifting our perspective, listening to our teams, bringing them in on important meetings, new changes in the organization. Gen Z or the younger generation, even millennials, they want transparency. It matters. They want to be involved mm-hmm. in decisions. They want to be brought in. They want to be asked how they're doing. Working from home, they're also struggling individually with yep. what the heck is going on. And they, you know, just like my daughter, for instance, she's 13. She likes to know what's going to happen next. When we're living in uncertainty in our lives, all of us um, in the workplace, if managers or even you know high level executives do not start recognizing they need to start listening and, and changing the way things are happening, then they're going to continue losing people. 
No, I get that. So, all right. So listening, key skill. Listening. Transparency. I, I took from that, and and you 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 struck a very interesting one there for me that that I I want to drill in on a little bit, and that is they want to know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. That is of profound significance from an internal sort of psychological and emotional landscape, but from a business perspective, that can be very tricky. I've worked for uh, everything from five person startup all the way up to fifty thousand employees, and I've worked security leadership roles in in that full gamut, and I can tell you right now. In the bigger companies, it's usually pretty easier to say what's coming. And right. in the smaller ones, boy, it can change day over day over day. And yet I found the smaller companies, especially when I was younger, to be more suited to my temperament as a younger person from the sense of community, camaraderie, less bureaucracy, less stiff shirts. You can come to work in a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, it, right. it was much more – I wonder if there's a tension there in that – if Gen Z prefers to work in smaller environments like I did, and first of all, that's a huge assumption on my part. I would think that's probably <laughs> the case versus a huge bureaucratic sort of outfit. You know, the 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 twenty five year company man at the hundred thousand employee shop. Like, I just don't <laughs> think that's a, a paradigm anymore. I really don't. I think it's a dying yeah. paradigm anyway. But then that not knowing what's coming. How do you how do you reconcile that difference? I wonder. As an employer, like I'm I'm wondering. I'm just sitting here thinking. I'm at a startup today, and I'm wondering how can I do this for my employees? How can I give them more transparency? And how can I give them a better sense of what's coming? I, I, I would well, love if you got any tips or tricks on that one. Well, it, right. It's easier said than done. It's We're all trying to figure things out. And I think that at, you know, as a leader in your organization, or even as I talk to people in the workforce, it's okay not to have it figured out, but they want to know. They don't want you to pretend things are okay if they're not. And right, if, there, right. if there isn't certainty, then... Let's talk about that. So it's not as complicated, but they just want that communication. They and also be involved. What's coming to mind right now is compassion. Yeah, yeah. For each other and bringing it all in. You know, it's not so much about certainty or you have to be, you have to have it all figured out, but recognizing that we don't have it figured out. We're, we're trying to. This is tough for everybody. We're trying to, you know, accommodate. Accommodate is another be more accommodating. Yeah. Powerful word, accommodate. And that, that, that definitely has to be there. And I, you know, I'm reflecting on like my own leadership style in, in the way I lead my teams. And I'm thinking through like the transparency is there, the compassion and accommodation are there, the, the trying my best to let them know what's around the corner, even if I don't know what's around the corner, like, Hey, let's have a conversation about none of us knows what's around the corner. I think, I think mm-hmm. that resonates. I think I've done that. How about, how about with hiring practices? I've actually got two roles. I'm opening up the, uh, the, the JDs for literally as we speak, like I'm about to invite two new folks onto the team and I'm looking for developers in a cyber sort of orientation. How about hiring practice suggestions? And a very highly competitive market. I mean, to find a good software developer period or software engineer is hard right now. We haven't really touched on money, but to retain employees or to attract employees, the right ones. It is more about who you are as a leader. So another thing that comes to mind is emotional intelligence mm-hmm. are how can we attract the right employees and build teams that will stay and care about the organization and, and what you care about, right? Mm-hmm. From the job description, talk about the culture a little bit. Talk about what they're getting themselves into. You want to express what they might find important because you're not the only one they're going to be interviewing with. They want to work with 
leaders or managers they like, organizations yeah. with a, a, a mission uh, that they can relate to and care about. And then finding these engineers, the job boards only go so far. LinkedIn only yeah. goes so far. Where are they hanging right. out? Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Being kind of cooler than the other guys. So, you know, it's funny too, you know, my company's like I do has a pretty good presence on LinkedIn. We're all over LinkedIn. I don't think Gen Z is all about LinkedIn at all. But by the same time, I did some research. This is really interesting. Uh, I went over to TikTok. I went as far as TikTok. You figure, you know, on the scale of like old and stodgy to young and fresh, we'll say LinkedIn's on the left and then maybe comes Twitter and then maybe comes Instagram right. and then maybe comes TikTok, right? And TikTok could be the youngest and freshest of those four. There is no strong cybersecurity presence on TikTok. There is a gal who's uh, Gen Z who's got yeah. a boatload of followers. And I forget what her name is. It's, you know, cyber something like, uh, I can't remember her name, but I, I found her mm -hmm. and I found almost nobody else doing cyber on TikTok at all. And I can't yeah. imagine coming in as a, somebody my age, like trying to be like, you know, it's that <laughs> meme of Steve Buscemi dressed up like a kid <laughs> with a skateboard saying, how are you doing fellow kids? You know, like, yeah, it's, that'd it's be just, weird. <laughs> creepy. <laughs> it would be weird and weird. I think uh, possibly yeah. creepy if I did it wrong. So I'm wondering how do we, how do we make that outreach, right? If that's where they're hanging out, if that's what they see as hip and cool, if there's a limited cyber presence in that space, it would be so cool to be able to come in somehow and be the awesome cyber presence on TikTok. Hey, come work for us. We're cool. We're hip. I have no idea how we could pull that off. Right. Well, I'm trying to pull that off. I thought about that too. I think just learning to relate to them and the whole complaining about them leaving or wanting it their way. It's not about that. They actually want to be a part of an organization where they can grow. It is about providing that upward mobility. Mm -hmm. Is joining your organization going to make them better? Is there the training? Is there the, the support and the flexibility, work-life balance? And then a lot of the younger generation, I do not believe there's enough recognition or enough attention being brought to mental health in the mm. workplace. Understanding that mental health days, taking some time off is okay. Right. Bringing that up during the interview process and, and just saying here, you know, we, we recognize that the world has changed quite a bit and we support this or that. So TikTok is only one avenue to kind of peek into the world of. Right, right. But yes, LinkedIn, I, I see it all the time. They're on there. They're wanting to learn. They're very hungry. Okay. These are great tips. And I'm sitting here thinking too, that you hit on a couple of them that were really important too. The mental health days is so vital. And that's, that's something I've always done with my teams is look guys, every now and again, work just sucks, period. You know, right. and sometimes it sucks and it's sucking in a way that we have to, we have to just roll up our sleeves, dig in together, get over this hump. But as soon as we're over that hump, disappear. I don't want to hear from you, you know, take time yeah. off the books even because we overdid it, you know, like, like if you put in the extra right. now, you'll get the extra on the back end back to you. And, you know, those kinds of conversations I think are so vital. And this, this brings me to um, my last question that I ask every guest, but I think in this case, it's going to be really interesting because everything we've talked about here has been a combination of kind of our own experiences in the workplace mixed with obviously on your end, a lot of anecdotal evidence from a lot of people, both hiring and hirers. Um, you know, hiring and, and hirees, I should say. And then also all this research you've done on the statistics and things. And so I can't help but feel you've got something in your back pocket, especially having, to your point, kind of come into cyber and taught yourself cyber to be better at your job. 
outside of cybersecurity, you've learned something really cool out there in the world that you are finding you can apply inside of cybersecurity. And I'm really curious what that thing is. So that's the question. What have you learned outside of cyber that you find is helpful inside of cyber? Oh, how important listening is. Really understanding why people do what they do. You know, like, why are they leaving? What what makes them happy? So I think in, as it relates to cybersecurity, it's very important to listen and understand what our adversaries are after, but also the psychology, you know, behind human behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that human error is a significant <laughs> contributor to cyber attacks and such, but understanding people and you, how do you do that? By listening. I like that. Yeah. Listen, listen, even to the enemy, right? Yes, absolutely. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Well, Jesse Bolton, founder and CEO of Bolt Resources. Thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now.